All right, welcome tonight. We, we love you all, and we are just very thankful that God's covenant of pouring out of His Spirit upon all flesh is still the covenant that Peter preached about on the day of Pentecost, and those actions of God's people are continuing by those who walk in the fullness of faith and those who believe in being full of the Holy Ghost. We have a lot of good news to report. God worked a divine miracle uh, for the family of uh, Aaron and Savannah Colesworthy last evening. And God, by the Holy Ghost, came down and gave her a great deliverance. And God moved in her household and uh, blessed her little child, uh, uh, Copeland, and God trusted her with the ability to be a mother and to be fruitful and multiply. So she and Aaron are abiding happily and we were able to go in and take the weapons of our warfare which proved again very humbly to be mighty through God. And we cast down imaginations and every high thought trying to exalt itself against the promises of an abundant life in her salvation. And Jesus reigned supreme again. So we give him thanks, and we also want to pray and continue to pray for the, uh, the becoming parents of Bradley and Aaron Guffey uh, as she draws closer and closer to bearing forth her first child. Many of us have already been there, but it's their first one, so they have a nice little piece of land. They built a house. And they're really starting their own home place and homestead. So we want to remember Miss Savannah uh, Colesworthy, a very European name in descendancy, Colesworthy. It makes me think of Great Britain and the little island there of Churchill uh, during the times of World War II. But uh, we say God bless to Aaron and Savannah and to Bradley and to Aaron. And then another good friend of mine, um, is going tomorrow to Wake Forest to get some uh, the doctor's prognosis on an area and a spot that they say is cancerous in his body. I believe he will be well. I believe this is a false death trying to appear real in his life. But that death can have no dominion. It has no dominion nor power because our Lord Jesus Christ gave us healing through the stripes that he partook under the cross-examination of one Pontius Pilate. And after he had scourged him for the healing of our body, Isaiah said, Isaiah 53. And then Peter would go on and he would write in his first epistle through the writer Sosthenes that those stripes were our healing. So we have a provision and a benefit that we want to render towards the Summy family. And that's uh, Artie and Ruth. Ruth is the woman of God for sure. And God has kept her alive and she just saw her 70th birthday. So we give God praise for that. Now all she needs is uh, 50 more years because the promise of God is 120, not 70. 70 is the result of living under the law. Seventy is the anxiety of constantly being told you get things wrong. 
and that would ruin your life. We need to be a positive people that tell how good people do things right. Instead of just attacking people, I told a young minister of mine, I said, I do need to talk to you because you're making all the right mistakes. And he looked at me and smiled because I don't want to be negative. It's good when people are trying and making the effort. That's what you want to see. That's the person you can work with. Those are good things to deal with. So let's remember Brother Artie. Uh, I was involved with winning him to the Lord. Oh, my goodness. 40 years ago? I mean, way, way, we hadn't even started the church. There are people that I'm still meeting uh, every day that were one to God decades ago. And now it seems like God is returning me the favor by letting me see how they're doing. Also, I met another very fine lady that was there praying with me, and I called her Sister Holy Ghost. I said, I don't know who you are. And she said, well, my name is Tina. I'm Tina Shap." And uh, I said, okay, it sounds familiar. And I remember her two children, Megan and Aaron Shap, that came here several years ago. And uh, she's married now to their father, and he's a good man. So her name is uh, Tina Holy Ghost Shap. So I, I appreciate that. And she joined with me in the spirit of agreement when God wrought a great deliverance in the soul. Now we were praying with a, a saved woman, a woman that's born again and filled with the Holy Ghost, but preaching and ministry saved them that believe. Prophecy serves them that believe. So again, the unbelievers take the gift of unknown tongues as a sign, and they get inquisitive. They say, well, what is that? I thought all these people were Gastonians, and I, I thought the prophet Joel went to Hunter Huss, and he did. Uh, but how in the world uh, is the Spirit of God moving on him in such a way? And then, for those of us who have been the called of God, the chosen of God, the elected of God, we can give five uh, words with our known voice that have proven that we've been submitted to God, built up in the most holy faith while we prayed in our prayer closet some 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. So now the presence of God comes forth in a spirit of edification that we learn to order our conversation aright because we want to speak clearly to produce understanding. Also, we want to lift up a brother, Steve White, who is uh, not doing well right now and could be on his last hours and last moments of life, and his beloved son, Alex, who loves his father dearly, and yet transition is in front of him. So let's remember that, Steve White, let's remember his salvation and God's grace. He said, those that the Father have given me uh, God's not in the business of losing people. Okay, you, you can't lose your salvation, but you can work your way out of it. So it's not like a set of car keys that you can't find on the last day of your life. It's not that foolish, and it's not that precarious. But you can make a willful choice to go against what you've known and become a transgressor 
and your life can be very hard. And if you sin willfully after you've received the knowledge of Christ, there is not another sacrifice for your sin. Paul made it very clear to that it is impossible to renew them again unto repentance when they crucify to themselves in a perfect present tense uh, the Son of God afresh, seeing that they put the knowledge of God far from them. So no, God does not lose you. And you can't lose your salvation like a, a set of car keys. But you can will yourself away from it, and I do not pray that anyone lives that way. As uh, my beloved children and as a church father, I do warn you, uh, no, you won't lose your salvation. You sure can work your way out of it. And that's not what we're here for. That's not what we believe in. We believe in the Spirit and the grace of God. Amen. So uh, we want to remember our good friends up uh, north. James Potter is preaching tonight, and he's picked out a tough one. He's picked out a tough scripture. He, he really jumped the shark on this one, and I was trying to lovingly, supportingly talk him out of it, but he seems committed to it. So, uh, you know, I, I will be interested to see how that goes because you really jumped the shark. You get into the, the waters with the great white, remember you're in their pool now. They're not out on the land fighting you. You're in the water in their backyard. So uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, but that's a tough one that he picked out in John 15, 6. So let's remember Brother James and uh, his family and that body of Christ ministry there. Also down South Carolina way, uh, my, my happy friend, he got married. I hadn't seen him since. Uh, he's been to Shangri-La and back. Uh, he's been over the moon. Uh, he's uh, apparently head over heels, still in the in the fall of love, which is fantastic. He and his uh, beautiful new bride, and it's just wonderful that they get to live, uh, you know, literally on Golden Pond. They get to go into their golden years and really be in love. And that would be Raymond D. Burroughs and Ann Butler Burroughs down there at Faith Temple. Uh, the last time I saw him, I, you couldn't have uh, wiped that grin off his face with, with a, a circular buffer and a, and a steel wool pad. He's one happy feller. So I thank God for that. And um, let's remember Dr. Pat Hayes and uh, his travels and what he does. And also uh, a good minister uh, down in Alabama, he and his wife, uh, Josh Wood and Samantha Wood and their four children and they're in the midst of uh, repairing the home and, and putting it on the market and, and it seems like uh, they're in a real seller's market and a very advantageous neighborhood. Joel knows what that's like. Uh, the rest of us live in South Gastonia but uh, he's, 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 uh, he's very blessed. And uh, let's just remember them because God is really causing that young man to stand up in the most important place. And that's to stand up in your temple and to realize that God chose you and God loves you. And instead of listening to what everyone else tries to point out that you don't have, don't let them take your eyes off of what you do have and who you really are. 
you were the wonderful idea that God had and brought into this world. And if you can, lay your hand on your heart and say, I am God's wonderful idea, and His wonderful counselor put me together. God had a thought about it when He made me what He made me, and He had a thought about you. So let us go to the Lord in prayer, Father. It's in the strong name of Jesus that in His name and through this name, the man that had begged for alms all his life had been made every wit whole. And as Peter points out through his marvelous sermon, that this miracle was done so that people would understand that the name of Jesus was literally the verified name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. This Jesus name is part of the original anointing of Melchizedek. To reveal unto church there's no other name given under heaven whereby men must be saved. But if your Spirit of God is moving on people in the right conviction that every knee should bow and every tongue should, it didn't say they would, but it should, confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that would glorify God as our Father and give us the power of the Holy Ghost so that we would not feel like orphans and uncomforted. We thank you tonight that you stretch forth your hand to Miss Savannah Colesworthy, that in the name of Jesus, the Holy Ghost will continue to do the work of redemption, search and salvation. Take the candle of the Lord God and go into your temple and search it out diligently with Savannah's permission. As she opens her heart, her mind, Lord, her emotions, all that is there in the past, all that is there in the present, and anything that may be looming in the future, God, bring forth your grace and salvation to her. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So if you have your Bibles tonight, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 3. And now we've gone through the Gospels. We've heard the synoptic, the synthetic optics of a Matthew, Peter, John, Mark, and then the, the one Gentile apostle that was won by Paul, Dr. Luke, the beloved physician. And they all tell us what Jesus did. There are three eyewitnesses so that every word may be established at the least by two or three authors, not just in books, but people who wrote the Bible. So they tell us what Jesus did. And John waits a good 70 years, uh, 55, 65, 70 years later, and he writes the gospel and when he writes it, he doesn't spend time telling us what Jesus did. He focuses in on what some have said the last six months, some say the last three months, adds in some teachings and ideas, but it's all more wrapped in the package of who Jesus is. And in that idea of that, he, the, that Jesus is, 
the is of God. He that cometh to God must believe that he is. Well, he is what? Well, he is Jesus Christ. And when you come to God and believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, because without faith, without the gift that he gave us through grace, it's impossible for me to please God. But God gave me the very substance that I never knew I could believe something so strongly or so entirely or completely or have such a hunger and thirst that wants to be filled. And as Proverbs said, the full soul, well, they loathe the honeycomb. You can have the sweetest sermon. You can go fight off uh, an army of bees and you can bring in a fresh honeycomb just dripping with the energy and the golden power of royal jelly, and they'll scoff at it. Because they I've already had enough, and they've got filled up on everything else, and they'll turn down the honeycomb. But to the hungry soul, the blessedness of those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, Bible said every bitter thing, if it comes from the master's table, not only did they break bread and wine, but the Bible said they took of bitter herbs at that last supper. Which means that we have to swallow it all. Not just the good times, but also fill up in our body that which is left behind of the sufferings of Christ. Because if he learned obedience by the things that he suffered, and he is the pattern son, it may well be that there are sufferings that we must face to learn obedience ourselves, knowing that the sufferings of this present life are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us and for all eternity. So when we have this understanding, we're willing to partake of the bitter herbs, and when we come to God believing that He is by faith, We've got to understand, well, what is God? God is Christ manifest in the flesh. The fullness of the Godhead, Paul would say, there in bodily form. Coming through the descendancy of David, coming through the tribe of Judah, there partaking of what we were only in part. He never took our blood, because we know that the blood cell comes from the man when the woman becomes pregnant. Therefore, Mary, being the virgin of God, was impregnated by the Spirit of God. And the natural blood that flowed through his natural body could redeem us on a human level. But if that had not been the life of God in that blood, it could never rebirth us back into a class of God's own being which also prepares us to be filled with the Holy Ghost. So I want you to know that Jesus came and took part of what we are. He took part of our flesh and bone, but His blood was the blood of God. And therefore, in the shedding of His blood, as Leviticus said, the life is in the blood, but the life is not just blood. It was the Spirit of God in Christ that was being poured out from Calvary. And the natural blood flowing down was simply a metaphor 
a natural sign and vision that the blood of God, the life of God, the Spirit of God had created a fountainhead at a place called Calvary, Golgotha, the place of a skull. And now the Spirit of God flows out of the cross in forgiveness and grace. Even as when Moses, who had made the pattern of the tabernacle, and he was told to make it according to the vision that he had from heaven, when he spake every law and precept, he would take a transfer instrument called hyssop, and he would dip it in the blood of animals. And this is what it was like to be in church. And then he would fly whisk it over the congregation. And when he would do so, little droplets of blood would touch you all over. Get all over your garments, maybe dot you in the, in the forehead. I still know people like that now. But it may touch you, and when it does... <laughs> well, I do. I do know. I've not got nothing against it. This makes me laugh inside. Uh, when that blood touched you, that was God's way of saying that you are enjoined to the word and the covenant that you've just said underneath and listen. So you could say to church and say, well, I didn't get that. But if you came out with that blood droplet on you, it was required that you live it. Well, that's the way they used to do it physically and naturally. Now we carry the anointing of the unchanging priesthood as we establish through the preaching and teaching of Peter who through the mouth of the Holy Ghost answered Jesus' Holy Ghost question and said it was not David uh, that was come out of the grave. It was not David that ascended on the third day. No, that was Jesus when David said, Jehovah said unto my Adonai, and he pointed us again to the truth of Psalm 110, which David had spake by the mouth of the Holy Ghost. So now we see if God is, if those that come to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder, what's the reward? The reward is the revelation to know God through the face of God, the person of God, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Yes, don't be afraid. This is the idea that the Lord our God is one Lord. And Jesus has always been that one Lord, that design of the Father's heart, that ideal and prototype of all humanity that would come and live and be tempted in all points just like as we are and is now seated at the right hand of majesty on high, ever alive to make intercession when we pray to Him. It is the life of God, the Spirit of God, that has put the presence of God in your life. And if any man have not the Spirit, he's none of his. Going to a college and learning books does not make you called of God. Your intellect does not make you called of God. You must carry the anointing of the Spirit. The anointing. Sorry about that. The anointing of the Holy Ghost. You must carry the presence of God because that is the continuing ministry that is never changing. That's never going to change again. Anyone who preaches, if Jesus waits another thousand years to return, will be wearing, preaching, teaching, and manifesting 
through the Spirit of God, the new nature, and the power of God, the Holy Ghost. Now, we see that when they conclude their message, they give them certain forms to follow. These people that wanted to know, what should we do, men and brethren, from what Peter said, and he gave them the steps to take. Repent! Repent of your sins if you're under the conviction of God. And then as a result of that repentance, God will lay a claim upon you and follow through and be baptized. And yes, I believe you should be baptized in the name of the Father, singular name, of the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And Peter very accurately said that name is the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you shall receive remission for your sins. And that day 3,000 people were added to the church. So you can go ahead and read the closing part of that chapter. But Acts 2.47, before we go into Acts 3.1, said it like this. Praising God, the people, having favor, and the Lord added to the church. The Lord added. And I want the Lord to add to His church again. Help. Would you agree with me in prayer? Evangelist, amen. Go out and reach people. Amen. Now, Acts 3.1. Now, we're going to talk about a little bit of difference in chapter breaks because I don't always agree with where they ended chapters and where they started chapters. But we'll get to that in a minute. Now, Peter and John went together into the temple and it was the hour of prayer being the ninth hour, and that's about 3 p.m. on our clock. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. And it's called the Beautiful Gate on the eastern side of Herod's temple. It's because it's where all the priesthood, the Levitical priesthood, would enter into the temple, and when the door would open, you could have a sight where the steps went up to the holy place, and then from the holy place you went into the holy of holies. So you could see the inner sanctum, sanctorium, through this doorway, you could see the beautiful place of sacrifice that the high priest of the chosen year would enter into once a year for the sins of himself and the nation. So this man's been laid there daily, and he's gotten very accustomed to the ministry walking right by him. Walking right by him. But he still wants something from him. And he's learned that this ministry can't give him salvation. This ministry cannot give him healing. All they can do is throw pennies and certain amounts of money in his cup. And because he was lame, he was not permitted in the temple because they taught that, that he had done something wrong or his family had done something wrong, so they would label him unclean and they gave him no hope. So being uh, lame from his mother's womb and being laid there on a daily basis, learning from the church, there's no hope for your salvation. We'll throw you some change. We'll let you be a street bum. We'll let you live off the crumbs from our tables. I've got a few extra coins I can throw at you, but I can't offer you anything else. And you can't come into the house of God. What a terrible plight this is in. 
And he's there at the beautiful gate to ask alms of them, them, the Levitical priesthood, which now has ended under Jesus Christ into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, well, he wants more from them like he's asked from the others. And he's going to find that these two aren't like the others. These two don't have the attitude of the others. These two don't say, we have no healing from you. We, we have no condemnation for you. We're not going to blame you or your parents. We're not going to question who did sin. Jesus has already taught them better. Jesus has already corrected them over a man that was born blind. And of course, under the teaching and the attitude of the Levitical priesthood, the followers that were learning from Christ wanted to know, well, who did the sin that this kid was born blind? And Jesus said, nobody's sin, boys. This is not because of a sin. This is just what happens in life. Life can be, on a, a, be a shipwreck sometimes. He said, nobody did sin. Think about that. Boy, I'd want to be standing in the, in the atmosphere of that. Nobody did sin. I'm like, wow, praise God. That's, a, that's comforting. And in other words, he says, I'm not here to calculate their sin. Like the woman taken in the very act of adultery. Woman, where are those thine accusers? Where are those uh, that are going to condemn me? Where are those that are condemned? She says, well, Lord, I have no man. Nobody's left standing. They've all dropped their rocks from the oldest to the youngest, coming under your conviction. And they walked away. And then listen to it now. Jesus said, neither do I condemn them. Now, I know a lot of people want to use me a lot of times to condemn people they don't like, people they don't know, they don't know the situation, and they've invested no time. It's amazing to me the way people can be so indifferent just because they don't know people. And they let one group of people get by and say nothing, and they send another same situation to hell and back because they think they know what they're talking about. Sometimes it's good when people don't know your personal business. That's all I've got to say about that. Uh, because at least you can live happily before the Lord and know that He doesn't condemn me. We are not under the administration of death and we do not teach the working of condemning people. It is not our job. That is not a weapon in my arsenal that is not a weapon of warfare that I will utilize ever. I'm not here to condemn people because Jesus didn't condemn her. And they caught her in the very act. And Jesus took the true way. He took the graceful way to set that woman free. And I love him for it because that's what he did for me. Now the man asked alms and he's going to find out very quickly these guys must not be from Levi. They must not come out of the house of Samuel or Aaron. They must, they must be like uh, 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 Ithamar and, uh, and his brother. I'm trying to remember his name. Um, oh, here we go again. There were two of them that, that didn't die in the, in the book of Numbers. Two did die. And we'll go back to the sons of where the 24 courses came from back in Numbers. Oh no, I'm really scared. Joel's got a blank look on his face. He bailed me out in the New Testament. But I'm really leaning on him if I go Old Testament. So if we'll flip back to the book of Numbers, I think it's Numbers, I think, I think, 
I think I don't stink, but I think. Numbers, let's go with Numbers 20. If you know my tactics, I have willingly. Nadab and Abihu, they're the two that died for offering strange fire on the Lord. And the other two lads that remained, God used them to set up the courses of the priesthood. Nadab and Abihu had died, and yet we find their two brothers. One of them's name is Ithamar. Scott Huffstetler's here. He may bail me out. You never know. But Nadab and Abihu had been killed, uh, put to death for the strange fire that they offered. Did you find it in chapter 20? No, you didn't. And this is what Bible study is. We have to look stuff up sometimes. The two, uh, there were four sons, Nadab and Abihu died, Pastor Scott, and two of them lived. I mean, can say, praise the Lord. Yeah, I just want to find it. I'm crazy that way, I know. They say, well, Brother Kevin, you've got to be prepared. Well, I am prepared. I'm showing you that uh, by, by preaching by inspiration, sometimes God still makes me look things up, and I look it up until I find it. So we know that those two died, and oh, what's his other brother's name? The two sons of Aaron that lived. Might all the way be back in, um, all the way back. Uh, Eleazar. It's all the way back in Numbers three. So I threw you back to Numbers twenty, and that that was it was still cold. Some of you should have called out cold, because I was almost an ice cube on that on that one. I wasn't even warm. Yeah. Thank th th thank you, Scott. Now that's found in Numbers 3. They're going to find out right quick, back up in Acts 3 and Numbers 3. Acts 3 and Numbers 3 makes me want to get an ink pen and write that down. That these are not from the lineage of Eleazar and Ithamar. These are not from the household of Aaron. These are not from the household of Moses. These are not from the household of Samuel. This is not from the tribe of Levi. So they do this, this man who is born lame is going to get a very different response. He's not going to get religious money. Because again, Numbers 3 points out that Peter and John, they now carry the ministry and the priesthood that comes from Judah that comes from God, that comes from uh, Melchizedek, they carry the spirit of an everlasting priesthood, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple around 3 p.m. in the afternoon, asked Anams, and Peter 
fastening his eyes upon him. With John, fastening. Everybody say fastening. It's like Superman when he puts on the, the light lasers when his eyes can look right through you. As some people say sometimes I do that, but if you look in my eyes, you just see ocean blue because uh, I, I, I got blue eyeballs. Praise God. But anyway, he fastened his eyes upon him with John, and he told the man, look on us. And he was signifying, we're not like Levi. We're not like the descendants of Aaron. We're not like the tribe of the priesthood that you have come to know that does nothing for you but throw you pocket change. We're not like them. And he gave heed unto them, expecting, oh boy, I'm going to get some money to receive something of them. And he is going to receive something. He's going to receive something a lot better than coins with Caesar's picture on it. And I hope I'm not over-explaining. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I have none. Sounds like a preacher to me. But such as I have... Give I thee. I don't have money to give you, but I do have something better. Now watch this. Everybody say, in the name. A lot of people have gotten over, upset about this doctrine, but he's going to preach that doctrine over and over and over and over again. If you want to preach in power, you must preach in the name of Jesus. Do all that you do, Paul said, in word and in deed, in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks unto God and the Father by Him. So this is where the ideal came to a revelation and a doctrine and a knowledge. Now, such as I have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And He took Him by the right hand. Everybody said, well, if He got healed, He'd hop up on His own. Well, if you got faith, you'll help him hop up. Because by the time you jerk him up, he's, his two legs have become pogo sticks, and instead of wobbling and falling down, the man begins leaping and praising God as the energy of God. So we see that Peter's faith in Jesus' name is working here. This is a man who's going to get flat-out surprised about what he's to receive because it's not money. He took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Not like these setups, these charlatans that have all the people show up in wheelchairs and they supposedly get healed. And then, Sister Williams, I don't know if you believe in this, I don't. If, if God got me out of a wheelchair, I'll be doggone if I'm going to go back and sit in it. That ain't going to happen, Jack. You ain't never going to get me close to a wheelchair again. They tried to give me one after I had a stroke, and I said, nope, not happening. Go ahead and get a walker. We've got to go ahead and learn how to get moving. Uh, a, a walker's not for me. I'm going to walk. I'm going to stand upright. Uh, I'm not going to live the rest of my life in one of those things. I will rise because my light has come and the glory of God is upon me, so I will walk. Praise God. So, And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And oh boy, you got a problem on your hand. 
Everybody knew exactly who this was. He's been brought there from his birth and set there on a daily basis. He was a fixture there at the temple entrance at the beautiful gate on the eastern side of Herod's structure for the Jews. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were all filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man was healed, held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. It's time to preach. Everybody's wondering. Everybody say, it's time to preach. Stop wondering. Stop wondering around what happened. Here's another man again. Interpretation, knowledge, revelation, doctrine, and the preaching of Christ Jesus. He can not only speak in tongues, but he's excelling now to prophesy with the knowledge and the doctrine and the revelation of what's happening in real time. Praise God. And when Peter saw it, he once again, he answered the people. And this time he's not combating the idea of drunkenness. He's going to show the benefit that was loaded into humanity from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. God backed up heaven's truck. Jesus was driving and he downloaded a big old healing. And he got loaded up with a benefit of God's grace in that very moment. And Peter knew what was happening. And he answered the people and said, You men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? Now look what he does. He says, The God of Abraham. I need you to say that with me. The God of Abraham. And that God showed up as a priest and he was called Melchizedek. And Jesus said that that priest that met Abraham in Genesis 14, 8, that that was me that Abraham saw. I am the God of Abraham, and because Abraham saw me, he's not dead. So now we see the unfolding revelation that God will reveal and provide himself a lamb for sacrifice, and that God came in the person of flesh through the messianic genealogy of David, on the side of Mary and Joseph, but that was nothing less than God and God the Father's blood in that body reconciling the world unto himself. Blessed be the Lord. As the Bible said through Paul, to wit, to understand, comprehend, or to see that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation and the ministry of reconciliation. Amen, Pastor Kello. Uh, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified His Son. Oh, there it is. Capital J. Everybody say that makes Him King Jesus. King Jesus. Capital J, Michael. There it is. Put that in your Holy Ghost and swallow it whom you delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. He was determined to set him free. And you guys 
in John 19, 15. Pilate wanted to set uh, Jesus free because he said, I've cross-examined him and I have never been able to find something I couldn't pin on somebody, but this guy has done no wrong. And even his wife came down and said, I've had an awful dream about him. See to it that you don't touch this man. This is a good man you're dealing with. Don't crucify him. You need to wash your hands and be cleansed of this. Because he found no wrong in him. But you denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer, Barsabas, to be granted unto you. And you killed the Prince of Life. The Prince of Life was said to be in Acts chapter, I mean John 12. Turn there with me right quick. Now I know this. Joel was smiling really. He knew this one. But see, I know it too. He wanted to bail me out. I do need Joel. I do need him there. I need Pastor Scott too. He, he knows the Bible. He sits back and acts like he don't, but that's not true. He knows it as good as anybody I've ever met. Say amen, Scott. True. Can't hide. John 12. He said in John 12, 31. Now listen to this. This is a link if you have an ink pen and you're doing Bible study with me. Marry these two scriptures together because they go together. Jesus confesses what's going to happen to him and then Peter points out this is exactly what happened to him to the prince of life. And now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world... And, and Some people erroneously think that's the devil. No, that's Jesus Christ. The prince of the world, he is the... Archon Tutus Cosmos. He's the prince of all life and he's going to die in our place. Shall be cast out and I, if I be lifted up from the earth. And how many knows he was lifted up on a cross? And he became a curse for us because cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. All this was being accomplished by the will and power of God. And now Peter says in from 1231, this is clearly what Jesus said. And jump up to 1228. 1227, let's go even further. Now is Jesus talking, it's read in my Bible. Is it read in your Bible? Praise God. This may be Pride Month, so we can give praise God to the colors. So it's read in the Bible, which means Jesus said it. How many's proud he's the one that said it? Jesus said, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I into this hour. That is the struggle that he would take all the way to Gethsemane and say, If there's a way that the cup can pass from me, let it pass. But his soul was very troubled as he was looking at enduring the cross and despising the shame of death when nothing worthy of death was found in him. Father, glorify thy name. Say that with me. Father, glorify thy name. The name of Jesus is going to be glorified as the Father's name forever when the holy, just one and righteous one dies on the cross. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified 
and will glorify again. I will make sure that that name is in renowned from now on. That's why I am not ashamed to say that I am a Jesus name preacher. I was called to manifest the name of Jesus Christ as a name above every name and I will tell you clearly He is the head of the church. He is the preeminent one. All things were made by Him and all things were made through Him and not anything that was made was made whether it be thrones, dominions or powers it came from Jesus Christ. The constructive word of God was made flesh and we beheld His glory. And for the first time we saw God, the Father, manifest in the flesh of the descendant of David as it came through Joseph and Mary. But the Father was the Spirit in that body. The perfect hypostatic union of God and man in one being. Which is exactly what you are now. God and man in one being. God is your spirit. God is your Holy Ghost. And yet you have flesh and bone and body. And yet you have a soul. But these have become one in the redemption of your salvation. Blessed be the Lord. And look at what he says. The people therefore that stood by heard it. Said that it thundered. Another said, an angel spake unto him. And Jesus answered and said, Now this is where people like to confuse people. This voice came not for my sake. I'm not confused about who I am. You're the ones that needs to come out of confusion. The voice came to let you know who I am. That same voice spoke on the day that he was baptized when he said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And Jesus received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It also spoke again on the day of Mount Transfiguration where He took the three troublemakers, Michael, A.J., and Brent, up to the Mount... I'm sorry, no, I'm sorry. What did I say? I mean, Peter, James, and John. They're all people of great potential, but their manners, sometimes they just, you know, we've got we to talk to them. They get a little bit, you know, they... They push things a bit. So anyway, they go up to Mount Transfiguration and there's Peter again and Moses and Elijah show up as well. And bumbling, fumbling, Peter says, it's good that we're here. Let's build three churches. About that time, heaven opens up and said, this is my beloved son. There's one that you listen to Hear ye him. Now get a hold of it like the old covenant. Moses, the word of the law, and then Elijah, the power of death and condemnation, they vanish. Just like the old covenant vanishes away. They only appeared for one reason. Let them vanish in your mind and hear the voice of Christ. He is the head of the church. Hear ye him. So again, in John 12, if you'll flip back there with me, he said, The voice came not for my sake, but for your sakes, so that you would no longer be confused. Never listen to anyone that invites you into their confusion. God does not confuse us by the Holy Ghost. He approves of us, 
and He helps us rightly divide the word of truth. We test out our thoughts and our ideas with God before we test them out on you to make sure that God's the one that anointed us to say it. On the day of Pentecost, all the others were confounded. God, get a hold of it now, God authored their confusion, but the 120 were not confused. They knew what was going on, and God took their confusion and their interest in all these people speaking in tongues, and a man who was not confused got them out of their confounded state thinking that they were drunken with wine and then rightly divided the word of truth by teaching the doctrine of Joel, the message of David in Psalm 16, and the message and life of Christ through the mouth of the Holy Ghost David in Psalm 110. Good preaching, Brother Kevin. Don't I know it? Praise God. Because I am not confused. Now look at it. The voice came not for because of me, but it came so you could know. Now is the judgment of this world. And how many knows that Jesus is about to die for all the sins of the entire world? Past, present, future. And he calls himself here what Peter identifies him as. Now shall the prince, the, again, archon tutu cosmos. It just makes me laugh every time I say it. But that's the Greek. Archon Prince, the Prince of Life, Tutu Cosmos, of the whole cosmos. That's who Jesus was. Now shall the Prince of the world be cast out of Jerusalem and be cast up to a little mountain crop called Golgotha, Calvary, the place of a skull, and many people who teach the last book of the Bible because there are 68 books in the Bible and the last book of the Bible that you've been unfamiliar with is the book of maps. So Mount Moriah has a little mountain crop that looks like a skull, that looks like Calvary, that could be Golgotha, and that would be the very same place that God told Abraham to take his only begotten son Isaac to see if he would offer him as a sacrifice. And God said, Now I know that you fear God because that day Isaac didn't die Abraham completely died to himself and everything he loved but God. Sarah's going to leave him over the matter, but God becomes Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that sees and the Lord that provides. Just like he said when he went up on the mountain, he told the servants, I and the lad will return. And Abraham knew he was going to offer up his only begotten son Isaac and that if he had to kill him, God would raise him from the dead. Hebrews said he already judged God faithful that I have to, if I have to do this, if I have to follow through and kill the only begotten son of Sarah and I, well, since I've already received him from my dead body, because I know good and well she was not in the season of life anymore. Her cycle had come and gone. She had already, he'd already lived with her through several years of menopause, and, and all you older fellers know, if you're dealing with that woman, he'd already been through all of that, uh, but his body was dead as well. God cut his plumbing back on, and God flipped her cycle back on, and they had a child of her womb in his loins. 
So he'd already received Isaac from the dead and he judged God faithfully. Y'all should be smiling. I'm not attacking you women. I'm trying to help you out. God redeemed women through childbearing and that's what Mary did for us. She, she birthed the Christ. Don't be upset. He didn't leave you out. We couldn't be here without you girls. Praise God. But I do like covering it. There is a bit of joy. Maybe I have a little bit too much joy when I talk about it. But nevertheless, uh, here we have God demonstrating on what very well could be cast out of Jerusalem. Cast on the outer skirts so that he wouldn't just be the savior of the Jews but now the savior of the whole world because this time God intends to include everybody because of their not receiving Christ they will be whacked off severely from the trunk and the branch and the limb of being God's fruitful people that should have gave testimony to what God could do. God cut their limbs off, naturally speaking, and He picked us up, up us wild folks. Thank God. Wild thing. And God grafted us into the trunk of the tree that we should bring forth fruit unto God. And that's good teaching right there. Amen. So look at it. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. And this he said, signifying what death he should die. Huh. Everybody say praise God. And back over to Acts chapter 3. Now you can finish John 12 if you wish, because it's more good in there, but it time takes us down another revelation. We only have time for one tonight. Thank you. I'll throw a Bob Ross on you. We have no, we, we, we have no uh, little accidents here. We just have wonderful miracles. God just, there's no accidents in preaching, just wonderful miracles. We're just following God. Praise God. So, in 315, which goes along with 1231, and you killed the archon Tutus Cosmos, the prince of life, whom God, speaking of Jesus now, hath raised from the dead, whereof we are his witnesses. And how many would say you know that Jesus rose from the dead? I'm his witness too. And so also is this Holy Ghost, this unchanging, everlasting priesthood that came to us through Jesus Christ. And his name, everybody say his name. Get ready, here we go. Like it or not, it's called the truth. And his name through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom you see and know, yea, the faith which is by Jesus, hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Now he is referred to Abraham and God's appearing to Abraham, and when Jesus dealt with God's appearing to Abraham, Jesus said it was in the person of my being. Abraham saw me. I was the materialization of everything that he'd come to know about God beginning from chapter 12 all the way up to 14 and beyond. That was Jesus Christ. Now look, and brethren, I won't. I understand that you guys did it through ignorance, as did also your rulers. But those things which God before 
but those things which God hath before showed by the mouth of all his prophets, that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. And then he says something again. The next great, this is what you do when you come under conviction. And it's in the emphasis added like Acts 2.38. It's not be baptized in Jesus' name and then repent. No, it's repent. And if your repentance is real, you'll follow up with being baptized and you'll bury your old man. So he says again, repent, you therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And watch this now, and he shall send who? Jesus. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which was before preached unto you. Now this is an amazing thing. They allow a Jew to preach in Jesus' name concerning the Old Testament to Jews in the synagogue But when Stephen tries to do this, as a Greek Gentile, they gnash on him with their teeth and they take him out and stone him. Now they tolerate it in Peter's life. This is a Jew teaching the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. Stephen, the Greek Gentile, you know the grocery boy of the first church, when he preaches a fantastic sermon, Saul of Tarsus is even agreeing that the Jews take his life and they kill him and he sees Jesus. God sent Jesus to collect up the spirit soul of Stephen and they took his body and buried him. They would not let a Gentile quote or speak the scriptures, which was another reason why they were severely cut off. But here they tolerate a Jew preaching to the Jews. Can we say amen? And he shall send Jesus Christ, which was, which was preached before unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution. And that's why you've received him. Everything you've ever lost, everything you've ever taken, every failure you've ever been through, every heartache, every word curse, every unmet need, every unhealthy soul tie, you are living the abundance of restitution because now Jesus Christ dwells in your heart by faith, making sure that life is abundant for you, that anything that you've given up or anything you've sacrificed or denied yourself of, God said, I'm going to reward you a hundredfold. If you ever gave up a house, a land, a piece of property, if a relationship was cut in half, someone cut you off when you wanted to love them, God said, I'm going to restore a hundred more relationships to make sure that you have restitution and an abundant life and a hundredfold for all that you've sacrificed and denied yourself of. That's the Bible, and I can put it all together for you in another sermon, if need be. But that's called the truth. Somebody say amen. A hundredfold, Michelle. That's what's coming to you, a hundredfold. It's fixing to be a hundred times better. Things are going to finally get taken care of and you're fixing to have a hundred times better. Somebody say praise God. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I hope you do. A little quicken there. A little bit of life going on. Somebody say amen. Which God hath spoken again. There it is, that statement again. Which God has spoken again 
by the mouth of all of his holy prophets since the world began. Now he's pushing back to, he's going to talk about Abraham, he's going to talk about Samuel, he's going to talk about Moses, he's going to talk about all these Old Testament people where Christ is being preached. So our journey is, as it's the glory of God to conceal the matter, we must go back in the honor as His kings and search the matter out because now we know the God of Abraham, who is Jesus Christ, is in the book of Genesis. Absolutely. He's also in the teaching and in the life of Moses. He's also in the teaching and the life of Samuel. He's also in the teaching and the life of all the prophets. Jesus is all in the Bible, praise God. And there's that statement again. That's the third time that's been said. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, verse 22, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren. As his cousin John said, Behold, he already stands among you. You just don't know who he is. The one who's Christ, he's already living and he's in your midst. He's being chosen of your brethren. Uh, of your brethren, liken unto me, he shall be a Moses-like figure, but much better. Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. And if you're taking notes, that's Deuteronomy 18.15. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet, that prophet Jesus Christ, that prophet Moses that pointed to Jesus Christ, shall be destroyed from among the people. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. Now I want you to write quickly. Now remember that Peter would not use this as a reference on the day of Pentecost because the Gospels are not quite written at this time. But go to Luke 24, and Jesus uttered something, and Luke remembers it as he went out, and he investigated and talked to everyone who saw the miracles and said in the teachings and got two or three witnesses to find out if what happened really happened. Luke is the investigative journalist. He's going to go out and find out. Now you say you were there. Can I, can I take a testimony for you? You say you were there at the Sermon on the Mount. Now can you remember what he said? Oh yeah, I can remember everything. I can remember everything. Like Grandma Cable when she said, you know, God told us. She said, I got off my rocker and got on the rock. But Grandma Cable said, we know God said, woe unto the doctors, lawyers, and Indian chiefs. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. slow down there, Nelly. God didn't include the Indian chiefs. They, he, didn't, he didn't say what. <laughs> uh, Indian chiefs. I remember saying Indian chiefs. I started looking through my Bible. I said, did this say Indian chiefs? No, it didn't. But Grandma Cable got carried away. And she was still anointed, praise God. So, <laughs> oh, I hope you love me. Okay, Luke 24, 27. <laughs> Michael gets carried away, and I don't call him on the carpet. He just, he's giving me a frown tonight. 
Oh, well. So, Luke 24, the beloved physician who's an investigative journalist when he puts together this gospel. He's went out and witnessed and he's, he's, he's extracted two or three witnesses to make sure the stories are true. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all things the scriptures concerning himself, the two on the road to Emmaus. Amen? The two on the road to Emmaus. Amen. Well, if you will, jump down to verse 32. And they said one to another, as he opened all these scriptures, going all the way back to Moses, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us? By the way, while he opened... The scriptures are not closed to a believer. The books are open. When you go to Revelation 20, remember, when you're judged out of those things, you're going to be judged worthy of eternal life. The books are open. They're not closed. And we're not sealing damnation. The seals come off. Things are opened up because we've been set free. But I digress. And he talked with us, by the way, while he opened unto us the scriptures. And when they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them saying, Well, guess what, guys? The Lord is risen and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. Everybody say, every time we break the bread of the Word of God, Jesus is revealed more and more. We're breaking bread tonight, praise God. Daily bread from heaven. Thank God the words that I speak, my flesh is bread indeed, and my, my blood is spirit indeed. So except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. So we're breaking bread tonight at the feasting table of the Lord, and He's always made known when you open the Word, and you share it, you break it, break it down and talk about it. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, saith unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed they had seen a spirit. Not wrong, not altogether wrong. Not altogether wrong, but resurrected. He was the Spirit of God. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled? Why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet. See my body that's now glorified. I still got the nail marks. The beating doesn't show up anymore. All that has gone away. But I maintain how I bought the church. The nail marks in my hands, the pierce in my side and in my feet. It's me. It's me, folks. Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see. Handle me. Remember John said, That which we have seen, and that which we have heard, and that that we have handled of the word of life. In other words, Jesus said, Put your hands on me. I'm not only spirit, but I'm also a glorified body. I have kept the resurrection. I am for real. I'm spirit and body. I'm spirit, soul, and body. I am Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. 
For a spirit hath not flesh and bone as you have seen me have. And remember when he came, he only partook of our nature of flesh and bone. He never took the blood of Joseph. His blood was the blood of the Father, the Spirit of the living God. And that's why he could redeem us back into a class of God's own being. Very important. And my way, that's said twice. The writer of Hebrews said it, and the beloved physician says it right here. Hebrews 2. Matter of fact, if you will, we've got a few minutes. Go to Hebrews 2. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Watch this now. Second time it is said, for as much then, 2.14. Hebrews 2.14. Jesus took on part of what we are as a whole. But he didn't take on the whole of what we are because if he had the blood of just a man, he could only redeem us on a fleshly level. But he birthed us back into a class of God's own being because we were first spirit before we were bodies and then our bodies became living souls. So Hebrews 2.14 For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part, some of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject unto, unto bondage. So there it is in the book of Acts and Hebrews 2.14. Good preaching. Praise God. So I would put Hebrews 2.14 right there by Luke 24.39. If I was doing it, that's what I would do. Because, you know, that's how I remember the Bible. I put chain links. I put things that go together in my mind as the Holy Ghost has given me the mind of Christ. My Holy Ghost is telling me, hey, there it is, precept upon precept. Luke is talking about the same precept and concept as, uh, uh, as the writer of Hebrews is. So here's how I do it. How, I don't know how you do it, but I would take a pen out like this and I would write Hebrews 2.14 right here. By, and yeah... I made that connection right here, right now while I was preaching. I've never put those two together before, even though I believe them. But now I'm going to put it together. That's why you need to bring your little ink pen, and you need to write this down. And then I would go over here to Hebrews and say, well, my goodness, look at that. Uh, this scripture needs a friend. He needs a friend, and his friend is Luke 24, 39. Are y'all happy tonight? Prove you got the Holy Ghost and smile. Come on, go ahead and prove it. That's joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy. That's the manifestation of the Holy Ghost. So Luke said it. There he was. He took part likewise. Luke. 24. 39. Isn't that amazing? Look at Pastor Keller. He's showing you, I'm showing you how I do it. I'm not, I'm not, I don't hold anything back. I give you everything I've got, everything I know I want to give you. And that's why I did that. I want to show you how I do it. That's why I carry ink pens and markers. Because I need to know. 
I want to remember. That's a good connection. Verse 40 in Luke 24. And when he had thus spoken and showed them his hands and his feet and let them handle him, John said, and while they yet believed, not for joy, and wondered, and while they yet believed, not for joy, they're believing, but joy hadn't really set in yet, uh, and wondered, he said unto them, Have you here any meat? I, I know you keep thinking, I I'm a ghost. I'm Jesus, the Holy Spirit. I know you think I'm Casper or Spooky. So go get me some meat and I'll eat it in front of you. I'll I, I, I just I'll take a bite. Get me a hamburger, Joel. Go down there and get some cheese on it. I like onions. But uh, onions and cheeseburger, and I'll eat a cheeseburger, and you'll see that it goes inside of me, and it doesn't just drop right through me because I'm not just spirit. I'm also glorified body. Amen. Have you here any meat? And they gave him a piece of uh, swordfish. And because they were fighting swords out in the ocean. And they gave him a piece of... <laughs> Gosh, y'all are so serious. Lighten up. Tough crowd, Joel. Goodness. And of a honeycomb. And he took it and did eat before them. And then now listen to what he says. This has everything to do with Acts 3, 21 through 24. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spoke unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets. Now look at the apostles saying, All things had to be fulfilled which were said of him by the prophets. By the prophets. All the prophets. Moses, Samuel, and all the major prophets. This is what the law said about me. When Moses said that the Lord your God shall raise up a prophet unto you like unto me, him shall ye hear. I'm going to vanish away, but he carries the message. And the prophets and the Psalms, and they're all concerning me. Then opened he their understanding. That's what Jesus did for me years ago in a one-room one apartment with a mattress on the floor, praying on my knees, asking God for help to understand the Bible, God opened my understanding and gave me this scripture. Then opened he there, and I was one of his then, their understanding. I'm not married. I, I'm just working. I, you know, it's a long, long time ago. Long time ago, bro. Uh, but it hasn't worn off. And he gave me an understanding that I might understand the scriptures which means God's going to teach you like his firstborn he loves you so much he's going to treat you like the firstborn child you're going to be so important to him because he wants you to take over the family business he's not going to leave you behind that's why we are the church of the firstborn which are written in heaven and Jesus is the mediator of our new covenant, praise God. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Verse 47, 48. And that repentance and remission of sins, that's baptism for those of you who don't know how to translate. Repentance and remissions of sins should be preached in what name? His name 
and His name is Jesus, for He shall save His people from their sins. And Peter is now emphasizing the Jesus name doctrine of power and healing and miracles and authority, praise God, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations, and it starts, it begins, of all that He both began to do and teach, it begins at Jerusalem, and it began with me over 45 years ago when God visited me as a teenager. I wasn't a teen angel. I was a teenager. I was something else back then. God converted me. And the Bible said, and ye are witnesses. I'm his witness. Now this is right before the ascension. And he said, behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. I'm going to send the Father down to you. Now you're here thinking that the Father sends me around, but now I'm going to send the Father to you. Thank you very much. Okay, smarty pants, get out of that one. And behold, I send the promise of my Father. upon you, and that is the Holy Ghost, the same Father Holy Ghost that overshadowed Mary. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Back to Acts chapter 3. Praise God. Well, you know, oh, the Son can only do what the Father lets Him. And now Jesus is getting, he's getting too big for his pants, I guess. Telling the Father what to do. Go, go down there and baptize these folk in the upper room. Praise God. Well, i tell you something. Because they're one, because the Lord is God, he can send the promise of the Father upon you. And the promise of the Father is the same Holy Ghost that overshadowed Mary when she was a virgin and placed that holy thing, the Holy Christ and Messiah inside of him which did come through the genealogy and the family line of the tribe of Judah and the descendants of David, but the life of the blood and the Spirit of God was His Father, which is the Holy Ghost. Amen. So, now, Acts 3, verse 25. Ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers saying unto Abraham, there he goes again, Abraham, Moses, Samuel, the prophets, in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Because of me, the rest of the earth is blessed. I'm blessed because of God, but the rest of the earth is blessed because of me being here. Because we are establishing the kingdom of God and we are the inheritors of the earth. We are God's change agent where He said, Occupy till I come. Do my work, do my business, and now all the kindreds of the earth are going to be blessed because we are His seed and we are here. Sister Williams, your family is blessed to have you in the family. They're connected to the Holy Ghost. You can sit there and, 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 and talk about some old dead lion. Well, they used to serve God... Well, how about a living dog? Even us dogs get to eat the crumbs from the tables. Some of us are still born again. Some of us are still saved. And that's why there's hope for all the living because 
my entire family is connected to God because of me. I'm the link. When God looks over the Kello crew, He says, Oh Lord, they, I don't think they have a prayer. He says, No, wait a minute. We got one down there and his name's Kevin. We got to, let's reinvestigate. Let's go visit them and their iniquity. I want to save them. Kevin's prayers have come up before me. I can't cut them off. I've made a promise to him and his descendants and I promise to be faithful to a thousand generations. That means if God keeps that promise, and put this in your Holy Ghost and think about it, it's going to be another, uh, that, that can, this can go on for 30 or 40,000 years. If God's faithful to a thousand generations, and if you think a generation is 30 years, that's 30 times a thousand. I'm not the smartest knife in the drawer, but I can spread butter and sometimes put jelly on it. That makes 30,000. And if it's 40, it's 40,000 years. That's how committed God is to you and your family and to your children. That God said that. Kevin didn't say that. God Almighty said that. So next time, next time somebody tells you that God's just going to end the world and cut your kids off and your grandbabies off and your children's children, they don't know what they're talking about. Don't even listen to vain jangling like that. Uh, killing people. God's not the killing God. He's the saving, life-giving God. Mm -hmm. a -a Amen. Unto you first, God, having raised up His Son Jesus, sent Him to bless you. Yes, He did. And turning every one of you, this is the blessing, and turning you away from your iniquities. And as they spake, we're in chapter 4 now, because I don't think this chapter ends until Acts 4, verse 4. That's when I think, I drew a line in there. Yeah, I don't know if you draw in your Bible, but I draw in my Bible. I put lines all in it, write all in it. I do that. I, I'm that way. But Jeremiah said, Whoso has marked my word? And I said, well, I did. So listen. And as they spake, I'd seen Jeremiah, it's true. And as they spake unto the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees, you know, they're sad because they don't believe in the resurrection, so they're Sadducees. Um, came upon him <laughs> being grieved, grieved. Oh, don't teach that, that they taught the people. They're still religious people that don't like you to teach in the name of Jesus. You'd be amazed at how many so-called religious folks have told me not to preach in Jesus' name. Too bad, Chad. God's the one that put me on board. Uh, you're too late. Uh, uh, ain't, not, 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 you didn't hire me and you can't fire me. You know the story. Being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead, which really bust their bubble. No resurrection for those boys. Well, I'm sorry. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold in, into uh, the prison uh, for the next day. For it was now evening tide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word, believed, and the number of men was about 5,000. I want you to know, this is preaching that works. You can go with religion that just makes people sit there in your pew and do nothing, come dead, act dead, and go home dead, and not live their faith, and not teach their children the conviction of prayer and the right from wrong of walking with God and why we raise up our sons the way they should be biologically telling them that's why God made you a man. God didn't call you to be a sissy 
And that's why we tell our girls, God didn't call you to be a lumberjack, so get off of it. God made you to be a woman. God made man to be a man. And we're not going to apologize for that. That's not going to happen. Biology has already proven. You want to believe the science? Well, then by all means, let's believe the biology and the science. And trust me, God made me a man. And the other one, well, I'm not like them. Praise God. Diane is much sweeter than I am. And the number of them, the number of men, just the number of men, not their wives, not their kids, not their grandmas, not their grandpas, just the number of men was 5,000. This is a sermon that works. You want a sermon that will save? Follow Peter. He's put together. He is the first tier of ministry that has come directly out of the first fruits of the Father of Light. He is now shining as a light, and now he's taking the tools and the weapons that he's learned directly from Jesus, and he's preaching the gospel. 3,000 got saved on the day of Pentecost, and now 5,000 just men. Wow, you got an 8,000-member church. Now, some of you egotistical number counters will be cutting flips over that. But you'd be afraid you'll lose the group you've got because you didn't attract them with Jesus. And if you begin preaching Jesus, they'll stop coming to your church because they didn't attend church because of the Jesus you preached. They're attending it for all these other things. The only reason you'll listen to me is I preach Jesus Christ, Him high and lifted up, resurrected from the dead, and I believe He is the Lord of life. That's why we come here. That's why we teach this. So I preach not myself, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and it is my privilege to be your servant for Jesus' sake. I love you tonight. God bless you. Amen and amen.